Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What is it that you want? What is your end goal? In the United States, we are taught from a very young age that we are to set our hopes on finding a fulfilling job, having a romantic and fulfilling relationship that, as we heard in Jerry Maguire, completes us. Uh, I just, I, that scene always like, you complete me. That always goes through my mind. But we're taught that that's what we want to find. That's what we need to find. And we also set our goals on staying young as long as we possibly can. And having children if we feel like something is missing in our lives. The dream is to find fulfillment in this short life. We want to be accepted, loved, and perhaps we even want to be celebrated. We want to be loved by other people. We hurt. We hurt when we're not accepted, loved, or celebrated by our peers. People, this has not changed since Herod the Great, they have wanted to be remembered. And they want to contribute something to society that is respected in all of the world. We want to be known for being good and dependable at the least. He was a good person. She was a good woman. And we want to be, we want to be uh, recognized and excellent uh, at the most. Some of you really hope that at the very least, You will do a good job in college to make your parents proud. And that you'll get a good job making them secure in what you're doing in this life. But in all of these pursuits, the question remains, is there really any lasting fulfillment? Or is fulfillment in the things of this world only a passing illusion? If you notice, all of the goals that we mentioned have their roots in the short time that we live on this earth. And it's a very short time. The problem with this is that the people we are putting our trust in for fulfillment, like let's say that romantic relationship is going to fulfill you. The problem is that person is a sinner just like you are. The people that you're hoping will praise you are sinners just like you. They have their good days. They have their bad days. They have the same desires that we have and sometimes they're competing for us for the same, with us for the same slice of the pie. If our hope is in the things and the people of this world, then we will perish just as the things that we set our hopes on will. Our Old Testament reading says this. It says, Cursed, cursed, is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. 
Well, what is he saying? Well, he's saying that if the things we do are for the praise of other people, we're going to be disappointed. It's not going to go well for us. Trying to impress other people can lead us into, actually lead us into all sorts of unbelief, sin. It can lead us into great shame and vice. In some cases, the world, in some cases, other people will ask you to deny the truth of Scripture in order to gain their acceptance. In some cases, the world demands that we are financially successful if we're going to earn their respect. So we may go into debt uh, to buy that thing that we can't afford that will look nice sitting in our driveway for the people driving by. We're going to buy the house that's beyond our means because, well, any respectable person would have a house like this at least. And a lot of times when we buy something, we're subconsciously thinking about how it will appear to the people in this world. I feel really lowly when I pull out my SE in a day and age of iPhone 10s. But man and woman, but man the overall is not trustworthy because we're sinners who need to be saved. The other problem with seeking happiness from the people and the things of this world is that neither the people nor the things of this world have the ability to bring us everlasting joy. Even if we do have good friends, good neighbors and the like, and some of us do, even if we do receive recognition for the things that we have done in our short time in this life, and some of us have that recognition, even if this life was awesome, this life will end. Each and every one of us will breathe our last breath in this fallen world. For some of us, it will be instantaneous, and for some of us, It will be long and drawn out. But each one of us will come to that moment where we will stand before our maker and it will be evident in whom we have placed our trust for every good thing. You see, the thing or person that someone places their hope in for every good thing, that's actually their God whether it's the one true God or not. A romantic relationship can be your God if you make it an end in itself. Education can become a God if you find all your worth in your degrees and the respect that you gain from them. Praise of others can be your God if all your actions are motivated by the hope that other people will like you. Cars, home, sex, spouses, even children. You name it. They can be your God if you seek fulfillment in them. 
But at the moment of our death or Jesus' return, it will be 100% evident if our hope was in God's grace and in his love for us in Jesus Christ. Or if our hope was in the acceptance of man and the things of this world. It may be evident to you right now. I'm convinced that all of us, including myself, daily need to repent from the sin of making ourselves, other people, and the things of this world into God's by which we expect every good thing. Sometimes the Bible is the last place I turn. I'm not feeling feeling well. I need my cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm not you, you name it. I, I go on down the line, and a lot of times, God is the last thing I turn to. I daily care more about what you and the world thinks than I do about what God thinks. I daily repent of this by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I daily complain about things that God has given me and act as though new and better things would give me peace and happiness. I make the new and better things into God's. I daily need Jesus to rescue me by his death and resurrection. We want to understand the dangers of putting our hearts, uh, trust in the things of this world. And Jesus lets us know them when he pronounces his woes. He says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. And the world would look at every single one of us in this room and say, you're rich, you're privileged. Even if you are close to 100,000 debt to the place across the street. (laughs) But in other words, if you made your wealth into your God and you achieve wealth, then you have your God. Unfortunately, any rich person can tell you, if they are honest, that money does not give the peace that we think it will. And the more money you have, as Big E said, the more problems you have. Money is a lousy God. And we want to confess the sin of making money into our God. Instead, we want to use our money for good and not be used by money for evil. Woe to you, Jesus says, who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. This is a woe that is directed towards the smugness that we are tempted to have towards God's word. This is speaking to the laughter of those who mock God's word or look on God's people as simple-minded fools who don't know any better. When we are tempted to make light of God's promises, let us remember that his word is the only thing that is capable of bringing eternal joy and laughter. Jesus continues, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the prophets. In other words, be careful out there. You see, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, everybody praised Jesus. They did. 
They loved all the good things that he was doing for them. But when he started to tell them the truth, that is when in their presence, that is he was in their presence because they were sinners in need of a savior. They started hating him. Jesus did not put his trust in man, the scriptures say, because he knew what was in a man. We don't want to put our trust in the praise of other people because it's untrustworthy. It comes and goes. It's unpredictable. If we seek it, we may be led to do things against the one true God. When we put our trust in man and the things of this world, there is nothing but woe and disappointment that Jesus makes clear leads us to hell. But thanks be to God, the one true God. He sent his son to save us from our sin. Even that sin. And Jesus says, blessed is the man who trusts. No, the Old Testament says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. He does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for for it does not cease to bear fruit. Even when everything's dying, it bears fruit. It is green. Even when drought comes, even when everything else is dying. Notice in your baptism, your your baptism is the stream of living water. And it gave you roots of faith that unite to Jesus and specifically his death and resurrection according to Romans 6. He gives you a hope that will not disappoint you even in the heat and drought that we experience as we all live out these few short years in this dying world. And you survive because your trust is rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. His forgiveness brings you life. You have life even in this fallen world. Life that produces fruit. Fruit for the life of your neighbor. You are set free to love others, whether they bless you or curse you. You no longer seek their approval. You seek to love them because you have God's approval. We know his approval when Jesus says through the mouth of our pastor, take, eat, take, drink. This is me for you. I love you and I'm setting you free to love others. You lack nothing. In me, in me, Jesus says, heaven is yours. In him, you have everything. So blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
Your hopes are not in the wealth of this world. Your hope is in the kingdom of God who comes to you in grace now and will come to you in glory on the last day. And blessed are you who are hungry now for you shall be satisfied. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We constantly confess the unrighteousness that we find inside of ourselves And we constantly seek Jesus' righteousness that he gained for us by his sinless life. And we are all, and we will all be satisfied on the last day when he transforms our lowly bodies and makes them like his heavenly body. And blessed are you who weep now. And if you look outside, when you look inside this, even inside your own self, Man, you can't help but weep sometimes. We have seen all mankind, including ourselves, placing the wants of the flesh over the needs of our neighbor. We see death of those that we love. We see our own internal struggle with sin. And we regret the things we say, do, and think. But on the last day, the Bible promises that Jesus will return and he will take away all sin. He will take away all causes of sin. It will be no more. What a day of joy and laughter that will be. With our hope in Jesus, he tells us, blessed are you when people hate you. Blessed are you when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil. When they do this on the account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in the kingdom of heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. You see, our hope is in Jesus. And it leads us to confess our sin. And when we confess our sin, it actually shines a light on the fact that what our neighbor does is sinful as well. When we confess our sin, we testify our need for Jesus and we testify to the truth. I've had friends around me that think I'm a pretty good guy. When I confess my sinfulness, they feel like they're worse off than me. They're like, no, you're, you're great. You're good. Like, no, I'm a sinner. And so are you. But thanks be to God, there's Jesus. But I've had friends, I don't know if you have, who have shut their ears to this confession who no longer seek to be my friend, who speak out ugly things against my God. But Jesus tells us that the world will hate us. And he lets us know that even if and when the world hates us, we should take comfort and joy 
that even though we walk through this valley, we are not alone. We are in good company. We are in the company, we are in his company, and we are in the company of all the saints who trusted in Jesus in this life before us. So what are your goals? Where are your hopes set? I pray that you would set your hope in the only one who will not disappoint. By the way, I just want to clarify for all of you who are married. (laughs) You are set free to truly love your wife. To truly love your husband. There are some faiths that say that love is a cause of sorrow, so you want to let go of all pain. No, we've been set free to go through the pain. We've been set free to lay down our lives for our neighbor. And your wife, your husband, that's your first neighbor. So I want you to know they no longer become your fulfillment. You're fulfilled in Christ and you now love because you're fulfilled. It's a different way of looking at your marriage relationship. Anyway, I just wanted to clarify that in case anyone's finishing the service and saying, you know, I've placed you too high. (laughs) I'm going to start praising the one true God and forget about you. (laughs) No, no. As you, truly, as you truly receive the gifts of love that God gives you, you're set free to love your neighbor as yourself. You no longer have to look out for number one because you've been looked out for. But I pray that you would set your hopes in the only one who in the end will not disappoint you. I pray that you would set your hopes in the one who died to save you from your sin, and who has risen to give you everlasting life in his name. Set your hope on Jesus, and let him produce in you love for your neighbor, so that you and your neighbor may both be saved, and that you will both be rescued from this valley of sorrows, and taken unto the Father's everlasting arms on that last day. And until that day, I pray that the peace that surpasses all understanding would guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.